Hello, and welcome to the Biblical Editorial Review. I am your host, Cleaver Rose, and I want to thank each and every one of you to be part of this wonderful radio experience. Today, I want to talk about something that I know for a fact, and sorry about me cracking my knuckles, that's really rude, and my, ah, uh, that's just tell you your age there. Um, I want to talk about something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And the main reason why a lot of people don't want to talk about it is because a lot of people are guilty of it themselves. And the way our culture is right now, and the way everything is, is really disturbing. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something that you will probably hear from my audio book that we come out probably in 2019 and 2020. It's not really an audio book, but it's a biography. And some um, aspects of it, I'm pretty much talking about things that's critical to a lot of people. And um, I want to tell you about something a lot of people are guilty of, and that is sin. Now, I'm not going to be the one that's going to rub this in your face. I'm going to tell you something that is profound that people need to understand. That God, God himself, hates sin. Nowadays, people want to classify sin in so many variations. I'm going to give you an example here. Like racism. Okay? Racism. A lot of people will characterize racism as sin. Also, people who criticize other people who do wrong as sin. And I could go down a list of things. You know, we could categorize certain things about sin, but we don't talk about the, the roots of it. And the main reason why we don't talk about the root of it is because we get this, this bent thinking, well... The wages of sin is death. I'm not going to die. Why should I worry about that? Because I got Jesus as part of my life. And that's it. And that's all you're going to believe. And, you know, when you get to that point and that's all you believe, you got a problem. A huge problem. And that problem is, is that God... Never in his whole entire life has classified anything about the things of sin. He classified, he never classified things of sin. He would tell you things that is in his word about sin. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes here. But God hates it so much. That it's a detestment. And people want to know, why does God hate sin? And we're going to talk about those kind of sins here. And we're going to infuse that to tell you what are they. And here they are. Now, here is why does God hate sin? God hates sin because it contradicts, or, or in other words, it is a contrary to his perfect and holy nature. It is impossible for God to do 
anything wrong. He cannot lie. He cannot cheat us. He cannot misrepresent the truth. Therefore, we can see that holiness, which is the opposite of sin, is the standard as set by God himself. Sin caused separation between ourselves and God. That's in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Let's read Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. And that says, but your iniquities has made a separation between you and your God, and your sins has hidden his face from you, so that he do does not hear. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Why would God don't want to even look at, at the face of a person who is sinned? Man, we won't tell you what they are. I want you to think about that for a couple of minutes. Why would he would do that? Because think about it. Such separation has a horrible consequence like damnation. And people think, well, you know, God, he, he's a loving God. He's still just God. What is damnation? It's the, it is a righteous judgment of God upon a sinner where the sinner is cast out to the presence of God into the lake of fire. So, so Cleveland, what are you trying to say here? Here he is. This is what I'm saying. Therefore, God would hate anything that separates us from his perfect love and perfect standard of holiness. That's the main reason why. Sin takes many forms. It can be aggressive as rape and murder. It can be passive as when we do not, uh, when we do not or do not do what we was right and let others suffer. Sin can take in forms of misrepresentation, so so uh, so that in such things like adultery is called unfair. Homosexuality is called an alternative lifestyle, and abortion is called the right to choose. Now, God may punish, must punish the sinner. If he does not, God will be approving of that which is contrary to his holiness. Now, God must deal with sin, and unfortunately for unbelievers, they will face the consequences of their sin if they do not trust in the person of Jesus Christ who removes the wrath of God from all who would believe and trust in him. I want you to think about that. That's profound because God loves you that much. He really don't want you to die in that kind of state of mind. It's so many things. And let's just break this down here for a minute about how we was talking about sin. A lot of people will contrast say that um, sin is entirely is when you do a disservice or disjust towards someone. Okay? Or sin can, in a lot of, uh, of forms... No, um, are really informally 
in a lot of ways that would cause a hindrance towards you and God. You know, and that's one of the, the, the various things that God has referenced when it comes to sin. And I know for a fact that a lot of people has called sin, you know, that, that sin is what it is. Sin is a divertment from him who he is. Sin is the various thing that God really don't want us to be part of. You see, now, many, 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 many times over people always wonder why we don't take him for, take him seriously, because we're always trying to put God into a box mentality. Okay? We're always trying to put God and uh, trying to Illigate God for what he is and, and never really um, look at it for what it's worth. You see, that's one of the things that's really um, a, a, a problem when it comes to God. God don't like sin. If we keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on trying to sugarcoat it to be something, then what you no know, what did he say you from? Okay? Where did God say you from? Let me say something here about sin that's very, very prevalent. And this is why God hates it so much, right? That it's going against his nature. It's going against everything about him. He hates it that much because it's going against everything about him. Now, we say we are believers, but we want to classify sin. I have so many people keep on saying, well, racism is sin. Yeah, it is. But racism doesn't exist. I mean, people are like, what? Cleveland, yeah, racism doesn't exist because that's sin. God doesn't look in classes of sin. He looks at sin for what is sin. He detests it. He hates it. He don't want nothing about it. So let's go into the, the parameters of why does God hate sin so much. Think about it. The psalmist describes God's hatred to sin this way. And this is in Psalms chapter 5 verse 4. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. Now, God has seen because he is holy. Holiness is the most exalted of all his attributes. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And it says, And one that called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Revelation chapter 6 verse 8 is, And look, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider name was Death. Hades followed him, and they were given authority over the fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. His holiness totally saturates his being. 
His holiness intonized his mortal, immortal perfection and his, and it is, his moral perfection, I'm sorry, and his absolute freedom from blemish of all kinds. Okay? The Bible presents God's attributes towards sin with strong feelings of hostility, disgust, and utterly dislike. For example, sin is described as a a purifiable sore. Uh, look at Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. And we'll read from the New King James Version here. And that is from the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises of the purified sores. They have not been closed or bound up or sued with ornament. And also, God describes sin as a heavy burden. That's in Psalms chapter 38, verse 4. A defiled filth, Titus chapter 1, verse 15, and 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. A binding debt, that's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. Darkness, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, and a Scarlet stain, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Now, God's hatred uh, uh, towards sin is for the simple reason that sin separates us from God, himself, uh, from Him. By your iniquities, have separated you from your God. Your sins has hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. We talk about that just a few minutes ago in my open statement. Uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. It's also in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, and Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 25. It was sin that caused Adam and Eve to run away from God and hide among the trees of the garden. That's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Now, sin always brings separation and the fact that God hates sin means that he hates being separated from you. He loves demands restoration, which in turn demands holiness. Now, God also hates sin because it is a subtle deceitfulness, which entices us to focus on worldly pleasure to the it's uh, uh, the um, exclusion of God's blessings. Now, those who have their sins forgiven can say, you will fill me with joy in your presence, will eternal pleasures and your right hand. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. To pursue sin is to turn one's back on the gifts of God who has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. God's hatred of sin implies that he loves his people and wants to bless them. Another reason God hates sin is that it binds or blinds us from the truth. Okay? Jesus likened false teachers to 
blind leaders of the blind. Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. This is a new King James Version. John said that the one who hates his brother does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. Sin has consequences which the sinner often disregard. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And man reaps what he sowed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And also Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. God's hate sin for the same reason that light hates darkness and truth hates a lie. God wants his children to be uh, to have a full riches of complete understanding. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, and sin only gets in that way. Okay? Here's another reason. Now, God hates sin because it enslaves us will and will eventually destroy us. Just as uh, Samson's sin led to his physical blindness and captivity. For, that's in uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Our sin will lead to spiritual blindness and bondage. It says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. God is the source of life, and he will extend that life internally to all who believe. Sin is a barrier to our reception of life, and that is one reason why God hates it. Let's think about this for a moment here. People always claim that they know God as a, a, a very point. And, you know, granted, people always want to, you know, infuriate that kind of thing. But God hates things that destroys him. For instance, God hates pride so much he detests it. God hates deceit. God hates sexual immorality. God hates injustice. And also, God hates wicked people. But see, a lot of people don't understand. Well, you know, we're not supposed to be hating everybody. We're not the ones supposed to judge. We're supposed to be, well, yeah, God did not tell us to judge anybody. He tells us to what? To hate the things he hates, to love the things you love. That he loves. And I mean, for real. Yeah, think about that. And I mean, for real. I mean, you got to look at that. Look at that for its own entirely. I mean, I mean, it is really, really uh, important to understand that God is a just God. You see? And how in the world can we get into our heads, right? 
get into our heads here and trying to uh, put all this stuff and say, well, you know, God loves us. Yeah, God loves you. But he doesn't love you to be in the sin that you're in. Let me let me let me tell you something about my life a little bit here. Because you know, you probably don't believe me. You probably don't even believe what I'm talking about right now. But let's go a little bit deeper in my life here. Can can we do that for a minute? You sh- you you're sure we could do that? It will not hurt you if we talk about my life for a minute here, right? Okay. Let's do this here. Now, think about it. I was a big time sinner. I mean, I commit adultery. That means I should go to hell. I have brought false witness against my neighbor, which I should go to hell. I lied. I should go to hell because that's a liar. I cheat. I should go to hell for that. I also, um, I broke almost every command that God said. I could. I mean, I did everything. I even used God's name in vain. So you think that it would be infuable not to take him seriously? Because, I mean, he's he's just. He's a loving God. You know, we, we you know, think about it. I, I'm, I did commit sin into the fullest, but I was so full of sin. So I was doing my various nature that I was born into. Okay? I was born into that kind of life. So when I did not get get um when I did not confess and declare Jesus is my Lord, I live in that kind of life as a sinner. So why would God would not want anything to do with me. Well, we're going, we'll talk about that in a few minutes here, but I want to get a little bit deeper here with this. The main reason why God will not talk about these things directly because he wants you to come to him directly. He already been telling you directly about sin. You are born to sin. You're doing these things against his holiness, his will, his way. He did not design you to be sin. He never did. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I was I was doing all that. Matter of fact, I was doing things under the pressure of being a Christian. And I was not a Christian. Because if you are a sinner, you won't be doing all this evil. I mean, not a sinner, but a Christian, you won't be doing all this evil. Because if you are in Christ, you will do things of Christ, which Christ did every day of his father. So if you're doing every day of his father, everything in Christ that you do is a representation of the father himself, if you are a Christian. But we got people who say they are Christians are in their sin. I know this because I I was like that, and I wasn't a Christian. I claim to be something I'm not. And let's go ahead and rest this right here, right now. If you say you are a Christian, but you are practicing sin, technically speaking, you are. There's no technical speaking. 
let me put that rest. We're, we're, gonna, we're not going to get in the gray areas about this tonight. Because if you get in gray areas here, people are going to utilize and say, oh, yeah, we got a gray area to do this. No, it's not going to be in the gray areas. We're not going to sugarcoat this thing. We're going to go ahead and put it out here, right here, right now. And that is this. You see, you are practicing sin. You are not a Christian. Okay? Let me repeat that one more time. If you're practicing sin, the key word is practicing means you're doing it. It's just like a doctor. He's practicing medicine. That means he is making, he is doing medicine. That's his profession. You are professing that you are a sinner. You're not a Christian. You are a sinner. It's so many people in the body of, in the body of Christ claim to be something they're not. It's so many people claim to be a a child of God, but they don't. But the, the father don't even recognize the child. They are, Ill, they are illegitimate person in his sight when they are practicing sin. Seriously, because if you are a sinner, you are not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you should not be practicing sin. It's not saying you should be perfect. It's saying that you are walking in the awareness means that you are walking your salvation to get to the glory of God. That's the Christ walk. That is Christ likeness. That's how God operates. He never operates anything differently from his genuine nature. Never. God never does that. He never was made to do that. He's never, ever demonstrate that. Never. So why do we constitute that? Because we are in our minds thinking we are something we're not. That's the truth. Now, I know that's all right. I'm preaching here, but it's not. I'm actually giving you a warning. This is a warning to get you right with God. God said that I shall not be marked. As a lot of us mocking God every day. We do because we claim to be something we're not. I personally was walking that way myself. And you cannot tell me that you are doing that too. If you are a professor Christian, that means that you should be practicing Christ-likeness. That's the truth. Now, that's a practical attribute here. Now, people say, well, you know, give me the practical ways to uh, 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 practice that. The word God. The word God is the biggest place to practice Christ-likeness. Always have, always will. So, people cannot have any excuses to not practice christ likeness none whatsoever so give or take to practice christ likeness is that you as a believer must genuinely surrender your allegiance to one master to another right we talk about slaves here See, and 
know, a lot of people don't want to talk about slavery, but slavery, you got to be a slave to one to another. Let's read this here. Now, God hates sin because it lessens our love for him. Remember, I told you about that. The Bible says, says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, or sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. Now, James warned us of the danger of embracing the world. It says, you adulterous people, do not, do, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. James chapter 4, verse 4. And no one can serve two masters. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. And we must choose between sin and righteousness. It's no gray area here. Let me tell you something that's going on here right now in the in the churches today. We rather go ahead and accept, believe, and modify or change the way sin looks. Let's go for the people who say who wants to be a woman. A man wants to be a woman. And he said he feels like he has the right to be that woman. He's I have no in in our country today, or even around the world, some countries. People have the right to do whatever they want to do. Even God gave man that right to do that. But you cannot have a great area say, I am a Christian, but I want I love to be gay, or I love to be an adulterer, or I love I love to cheat, or I love to steal, or I love to lie. Or I love to be sneaky or doing evil or be wicked. You can't have that. You can't have, you can't, you gotta love one or the other. You gotta love darkness or light. That's God. That's how he operates. That's his nature. God doesn't look at gray area. So let's put this in rest when it comes to racism. Or let's go to a little bit further with feminism. Now, now you'll probably say you're a man. But think about it. It's n- being feminine is is totally different being a feminist. Okay? Because think about it. God made females, right? Right. And God wants us to hold and respect and cultivate the female the way that he first designed the female to be, to be suitable to what? The husband. Keyword, man. It's not man, husband. If you don't believe me, read the Bible for yourself. It's in Genesis. It started with chapter 2 and go forward from there. Let me go for, let me go ahead and put this to rest here with feminism. Feminism 
is not feminine. Okay? It is a stream of take it over. And then repeat that. Take it over another gender. And try to alleviate rights that you think is deserved from God. God did not tell a woman to make a choice to kill a child. That is murder. Abortion is murder. Cut and dry to the point. It is so bad that Planned Parenthood put a, bu- a, bu- a bulletin board in, o- in Oklahoma, in o- Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, that it says here that every, that all religions and everybody of faith do believe in abortions. If you don't believe me, I'm going to read this quote by quote here about this bulletin board here, okay? Because you don't believe me here, okay? It's a bulletin board in Oklahoma claims that people of faith love those who have abortions. Now, we got this from the after this mama, mommy.com, okay? And right here, and she said this, what we do not love is abortions. We hate abortions. And we vehemently disagree of that there is e- uh, ever a case of which our faith mandates anyone seeking an abortion, which it was this far-reached pro-abortion campaign attempts to claim. And they're trying to emphasize the fact that reproductive justice, that's basically what it says here, Reproductive Justice, which if you go to Oklahoma City, reproductivejustice.org, for says pro-choice faith. Now, why would God want to be in cahoots with something like fact? He's not. This here proves how people don't read the word of God, nor those word God says. Now here, and now here's a little bit more with this thing here with this um, billboard here. And this isn't a, a billboard employed faithful people who loves those who have abortions and lead them from um, lead and lead them to find repentance and reconciliation in the Lord either. Here they're saying is that, and this is the people here, the reproductive justice, despite the fact that these words could easily mean justice for those in the womb. Is it an infinitism or, of course, the right of murder those in the womb? See, that's what they don't. See, why would God want to injustify, why, why he wants to justify murder? The only way murder could be justified. The right to kill is when it is about war and you have people of sin and people who are doing things of war or evil in God's eyes that he wants to be destroyed. He can do it himself, which he do take kingdoms down. But also, too, he does give us the, the mandate for justifiable law, his law, to kill. Murder is a self-righteous self-centeredness to kill. 
Okay. That's the part. That's the problem with God with that. So taking a child's life in the womb is a self-centered and selfish move to murder, to kill. That's what murder is. And they know this. Now, I'm going to read this here from the website. And I'm going to give Elizabeth Johnson some props because she did a fabulous job to research this. Then we got to go a little bit further here because I want to break this down into great terms here. Now, it's an argument that all faiths allow for abortions, even sometimes mandate it. But, you know... But doesn't take my don't, but don't take her word for it. Okay, this is what in their own words on their website that I just talked about a second ago said. In nearly every major faith tradition, there are certain um, circumstances when abortion is an acceptable and respectable choice. There are even times when it is a mandate, when individuals seeking the universally end of limit abortion rights for all women based on the particular understanding of God, faith, or religion, others suffer. Okay? Just as some faithful must, may choose not to end a pregnancy based on the understanding of faith and God, others may choose abortion consistent with their teachings of faith and under the guidelines of a loving relationship with God. You see how they're twisting that God loves this? Let's a little bit more. The intercession of the faith and abortion in Oklahoma is a powerful and deserves to be examined in a more honest and inclusive. Inclusive. Keywords inclusive. God don't include himself into sin. But let's continue on here. In an inclusive way that what we have witnessed in recent local debates. Anti-choice folks do not represent the only faith perspective on abortion. In fact, far from it. In short, we believe you can support abortion rights because of your faith, not in spite of. God did not make that as a mandate. And see, this is where these people don't know God. Because God does not sound around himself with sin and righteousness. He can't, you can't mix the two. It's not like olive oil and olive oil dressing. It's not make a dressing out of olive oil. You can't separate the two. But people want to. Because they want God to be, you know, the Bible is so, so outdated. No. That's not biblical sound. It's never have. And it never will be. Okay? And that's why God says this. If you know, think about what he says here. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world and loves the Father, it's not of him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has, and does comes not from the father but from the world okay see god hates sin god hates sin to the point that 
he despised it so much. It's so vile that people got the gall, the litigate gall, right, to think that God is so um, is so um, contrary that he will accept anything and everything right now. Let's go a little bit further here. Now, as believers now, we should hate sin as does God. We are sons of the light, sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. We must recognize that God has set us apart and we are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We cannot become holy on our own. And that's, but God gives us his Holy Spirit to sanctify us. That's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You see, we can't do that on our own. We got to have God to do it for us. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't. We can't do that. It's impossible. But we do it all the time. We try to make ourselves holy. God didn't never make ourselves. No. God never, 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 and I'm repeat that, say that you become holy. No, he never did. So no, absolutely not. So I mean, what, 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 that's kind of like stupid. You know, it is. It is the dumbest thing in the world. And you got these people who use the social justice to justify that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll talk, we will talk on a little day. Matter of fact, next month about all of this, what's going on in the churches. That we already talked about I Am Re- Resilient. But, we, man, I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I want, and, you know, people are scared of getting the deep waters when it comes to truth like this. Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid that, you know, if they get deep, they will find some stuff about themselves that is really, really, really deep. Now, think about it. We hate sin because it separates us from God. We hate it because it lessens our love and dulls our conscience because it blinds and binds us and and we can't be a part of that. We hate it because it grieves the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Our, we got to pray to God for this. But let me go a little bit further here. This is the cliches going on. And a lot of people keep saying this. But it's not even a biblical sound. It's not. And here it is. Are we to love the sinner but hate the sin? Now, many Christians use this cliche, right? Um, many Christians use this cliche, love the sinner, hate the sin. This saying is not found in the Bible in so many words. However, in Jude chapter 1, verse 22 to 23, contains a similar idea. Be merciful to those who doubt. 
save others by snatching them from the fire to others slow mercy mixed with fear hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh according to this our evangelism should be characterized by mercy for the sinner and healthy hatred of sin and its effects this is what's going on in the church I want to hammer on this a little bit because the church is getting all twisted with here. Okay. And here he is. We are to have compassion on sinners who from whom Christ died because he did for us. And we are also to keep ourselves from being pulled or polluted by the world. Part of what constitutes the pure and faultlessness, faultless religion. That's in James chapter one, verse 27. But we also realize that we are imperfective human beings and that the difference between us and God is regard to loving and hating is vast. Even as Christians, we cannot love perfectly, nor can we hate perfectly. That's where our malice. But God can't do both of these uh, perfectly because he is God. God can hate without a sinful intent. Therefore, he can hate the sin and the sinner in the in a perfectly holy way and still lovingly forgive the sinner at the moment of repentance and faithfulness. Malachi chapter 1, verse 3, Revelation chapter 2, verse 6, and 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Bible clearly teaches. And this is true. The, the Bible clearly teaches that God is love. First John chapter four, verse eight through nine says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his own one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Mysteriously, but true. This is the fact that God can per perfectly love and hate a person at the same time. That means he can love him as someone he created and can redeem, as well as hate him for his unbelief and sinful lifestyle. Now, a lot of people will be like, will get mad. Cleveland, that's kind of hard, man, because, you know, you should not be hating people like that. Um, hmm? You're not supposed to be hating people like that. That's not right. You know, how can you say you love God and hate people like that? That ain't right, Cleveland. That ain't right at all. Um, who said is, is a right and is wrong? No, because I mean, for for God's eyes, he he's looking at two things here. God looks at the fact that you know he loves he loves um he loves people, he loves his creation, right? But also too. He hates sin. 
But we you know here we go with these cliches say that you no know, God loves the uh sinner. How can you how can you say such a thing? How? Well, God loves people. Yeah, he does. But he hates sin. He hates sin. Okay? He does. He hates sin. Look at this. God is love. And he can hate that. But see, but look, look. But we as imperfect human beings can't, can't do this. Thus, we must remain, remind ourselves to love the sinner and hate the sin. We have to do that. Now, how exactly does that work? We hate sin by recognizing it for what it is. Refuse to take part of in it and condemn it as contrary to God's nature. Sin is to be hated. No excuse. Not take it lightly. We love sinners, but show them respect. First Peter chapter 2 verse 17. Pray for them, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, and witness to them of Christ. It is a true act of love to treat someone with respect and kindness, even though you do not approve of his and her lifestyle or sinful choices. It is not, to, it's not loving to allow a person to remain stuck in sin. It is not hateful to tell a person he or she is in sin. In fact, the exact opposite are true. Sin leads to death, James chapter 1, verse 15. And we love the sinner by speaking the truth in love, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We hate the sin by refusing to condone, ignore, and excuse it. This is the main reason why that we have to be very, very careful what's going on with people nowadays. But we got to be very, very, very true to ourselves that God loves us that much that he wants us not to partake ourselves into this kind of vineyard. Why is that? Think about it. I want you to think about this for a minute here. And uh, I want to think about this because we got a little time left. With you no, know, I'll talk about this whole subject matter. I'm just give you a little snippet of what is going on and why we keep on condoning these kinds of sins and say this is of God, but never really look at the facts behind the for us to say this is of God. Look, people who practice homosexuality. Is sinning. People who wants to be transsexuals is sinning. People who commit adultery and lie and cheat and bear false witness and commit murder, which is abortion as well, and all kinds of things that's of the world is practicing sin. Now, like I just said before, are we trying to tell people that, hey, 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 you got to be perfect? No. Because if we tell the people that you got to be perfect, that means that you are God. 
God and you are Jesus Christ and you are the Holy Spirit. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I know so because God never have the inclination for a human being to act like him. He wants the human being to be like him, but he also has the human being to worship and honor him because he is God. That's why Jesus Christ is our Lord. Now, a lot of people don't want to declare that to anyone because they're trying to say that that's an outdated restitution for us to get into heaven. No, getting to heaven is not the ends to the mean. Worship and honor God to be in his presence with him forevermore is the ends to the mean. There's a means to the end. That's what we are striving for is to worship, honor, and give God praise because he is worthy of that. Because he made us in his likeness and his image. That makes him so unique. That makes God so powerful. That makes God so wonderful, made that we cannot live without him. We can't. That right there is important. That right there is the test of time to make God so unique. It would be ludicrous. Let me repeat that one more time. It would be stupid to think that God don't want you to be in his presence. But we here's the key. He does. But we cannot be in sin. See, you got to hate the sin. That means you got to hate homosexuality. You got to hate racism. You got to hate adultery. You got to hate bearing false witness. You got to hate destroying a person's character. You got to hate all of these things. That he hates, that God hates. You cannot just say, Well, I'm going to hate racism, but but I'm going to accept homosexuality. You know, you I could hate abortion, but you could go ahead and have an affair. You can't be it's no great ever with God. It never has to be a great area with God. And it's not going to be a great area with God. It's not. Never have, never will be. You got to be understanding for a fact that God hates it. We cannot go on in life assuming otherwise. We can't. And for us to really believe that, it's almost ignoring who the nature of God really is. You see, God said, I hate sin. Okay? You can't be in the presence of the Lord like that. You can't. But we do. Trying to make him do something out of his nature. That's not biblical. It's not even him. This is not our father. This is not the way he does stuff. This is not the way he even thinks of any kind of way possible. That's not God at all. Because God is a wonderful awesome God. Now, 
I know that you probably think, man, he is trying to make me feel bad. No. Remember, this is no sugarcoat. We're not sugarcoating nothing. That's one thing about RCR, the Resilient Christian Radio Network. We don't sugarcoat. We do not sugarcoat anything of the truth. We can't. It's impossible. And the main reason why I say it's impossible because it's a, that's God's standard. If God made that standard, why should we try to break that up? Why should we try to change God for something that is not of his nature? Why can't we, as a believer, put on the truth of his holiness in our lives to know for a fact that we cannot in, we cannot include sin as a standard. You know, you got these different things called inclusionists, like universalists, or people who wants to coexist with different religions that is against the very nature of Father God himself. And they try to exclusively say that Christianity is a restrictive of being in God's and and be the way of the world. Well, God said, remember, we just read that if you are the lovers of this world, you don't have God in you. In the world, and I want to go ahead and close this part here, be part of the world. That means that you accept everything of the world. But if you are in Christ, you cannot be of the world. And this is a this is a statement I want you. I'm gonna leave you off with this. If you say you are of God, right? If you say you of of God, if you say you believe Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right? Okay, you believe that, right? Here he is. What did God say you from? What did he say you from if you of the world? He can't save you if you of the world. He can. That's the truth. So you have to make a choice. To receive Jesus as your Lord, you declare him as your Lord, then he will save you. That is the honest God truth. He did that for me. He could do it for you as well. You got to make a confession of faith. We got on RCR an online Bible, so you don't have no excuse not to read the Bible. It's online. You can read for yourself. But I got to go. We'll talk next week. A new series is going to come out. We'll have more details on rcrnetwork.com. Stay tuned. We got more to come.